Let's turn then to a great statement of faith in Psalm 56, verse 3. Whenever I am afraid, I will trust in you. And David was afraid. The shepherd who had killed a lion and a bear, the warrior who had killed Goliath, is afraid. He fled, fled from the murderous King Saul, fled to the very town where Goliath had lived in Philistine territory, the town of Gath. He was vulnerable, stressed, under great pressure in fear for his life. David. So fear can be very real. And even the greatest of believers know what it is to be afraid. If you read the sermons of C.H. Spurgeon, you will find statements such as, I have had and have many doubts and fears. For David, his fear was all-consuming and constant. And yet, he trusted God. Fear and faith coexist. They go together. Like the grief and the joy that Peter speaks about in his first letter, chapter 1 and verse 6. Now you are in heaviness, you grieve through many trials, but in this you rejoice. It's possible for that to happen. It's not contradictory, but it is a paradox that at the very same time you can be afraid and yet trust God. Like the disciples in the boat, who when they thought they were going to drown and cried out in fear, they woke Jesus up and turned to him for help. There are many reasons, aren't there, why we feel afraid. Some of them are trivial. Children feel afraid when they see the curtains moving in the dark. Sometimes they're afraid of thunder and lightning, as I was as a boy. Some of the fears we have when we are a little older are fears because we are not sure what people Think of us. Just last week, there was a piece in the Times newspaper about the British people who are temperamentally, it seems, shy and diffident, and people worry about what people are thinking of them, not realizing that the people they're thinking about are wondering what they are thinking of them. Some of these fears are trivial. But some are not. Some are substantial. Will I be able to manage financially to make ends meet? What if I'm facing a diagnosis of an illness and of symptoms that I've got? What is going to happen? What about the future for my children if I have them? What if I am unemployed? What if I have to travel the final stage of my journey through dying and death? 
David's situation was precarious. And we have an enemy, the devil. He tempts us. Sometimes when those temptations come into our minds and hearts, we are horrified, shocked. And if we are sensible and wise, we will immediately apply to the blood of Christ and to the work of Christ within us. We may be overtaken sometimes by guilt and by a sense of failure. I'm talking now about the kind of guilt we have when perhaps our parents haven't handled us properly and we feel guilty because we haven't lived up to their expectations or the expectations of other people or because we've done things in the past of which we're now thoroughly ashamed. We failed. We've perhaps not owned the name of Christ when we should have. And the enemy will get to us. He will play on it. He will remind us of it and keep us under if he can. We may be afraid of falling away if we are Christians, of eventually reaching that uh, eternal throne and hearing those awful words, depart from me, you cursed into everlasting fire, prepared for the devil and his angels. Will I endure to the end or will I fall away? As unfortunately and alas, some have. Will I endure? Will I last the pace? Will I persevere? We may be troubled by thoughts about hypocrisy. Am I really a hypocrite? Do I just pretend to be an evangelical Christian? Was I really sincere in my repentance? Did I really believe in Christ when I thought I did and when I seemed to come to him? Was that all authentic and true and real? And we have an enemy. He will bring these thoughts into our minds and they can deeply trouble us, deeply worry us, cast us down, depress us, take away our joy. The trouble is that emotions get the better of us, don't they? Somebody has said that emotions are perfectly natural, which is true. And if you're taking a big examination, you'll be nervous, you'll be worried, you'll be afraid perhaps, you don't pass the exam, or you're attending an interview for a place in college or a job or whatever, and you're afraid that you won't get the job or you won't be admitted to the university. You're facing possible surgery. How am I going to cope with that? You're nervous. That's perfectly natural. I remember Dr. Lloyd-Jones saying about the first occasion in Westminster Chapel when he was due to preach in the morning services. For the previous four weeks, he'd been preaching in the evening and Campbell Morgan in the morning, and it was now his turn to preach in the morning, and it was at the beginning of hostilities at the start of the Second World War, and he was agitated. He was walking up and down in the vestry Obviously very, very nervous, and Campbell Morgan said to him, well, you're very nervous. Yes, he said. Well, he said, we're in for a good time. And then Campbell Morgan said, I've never been like that. I've never felt like that. He was made differently. He wasn't like some of us who live in Wales. We get very nervous. I have never taken a single service in my life without being nervous. 
It's a temperamental thing. It's something one has to battle, and our emotions can get the better of us. So you can even be paralyzed by it. So your mouth dries up, your heart begins to race, you don't sleep properly, and so on. Emotions get the better of us sometimes. Real though, the reason for the fear may be. Well, we have to be honest, we have to be realistic. No point in pretending that this doesn't happen and that we shouldn't be like it, because we are like it. And people say, well, pull yourself together, but that's the very thing we can't do. Whenever I am afraid. David's honesty is such a help, isn't it? Paul talked about fightings without and fears within. Notice David's language in this psalm. Men would swallow me up. My enemies would hound me all the day. They twist my words all day. Their thoughts are against me for evil. They gather together, hide, mark my steps. When they lie in wait for my life, shall they escape by iniquities cast down. He talks about his enemies and what they're doing to him and how he's under great pressure all day. All day, all day, it's a refrain running through the psalm, and then he sheds tears. So we are not alone. This great saint, this great man, was afraid. Others have traveled this way before us. Yet he trusted God. He made up his mind to do that. I will trust in you. He's resolving to do it. His mind is going to control his feelings. He's exercising faith. He's expressing it in prayer. The whole psalm is a prayer. He's pouring out his soul to God. He's with God. God is with him. So in deliberate and resolute fashion, he is determined to trust God. Now that's what we are to do also. And we can. Faith is believing God. Not only believing in him. And faith is the reply to fear. Faith in God's greatness. Faith in God's love, his control, his authority, his sovereignty. David speaks to him as the most high God, the sovereign Lord over all things, over the nations, over history, over the details of my life, holding my life in his hands and my lifespan. So he's the great God. He's in charge of everything, in charge of my present situation. Look at the way David speaks to him. Oh, God, he says, over and over again. Oh, God, in God, in God, I have put my trust. He's speaking to God. Oh, God, he says, cast down the peoples, my enemies. That, oh, 
In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, Jehovah, the covenant God, I will praise his word. All the time he's reminding himself of the great God whom he knows and loves and who knows and loves him. In God, I have put my trust. Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. He's a man who is full of a sense of God. So faith is believing God, the most high God, the great God, the glorious God. I was speaking to a fellow minister not so long ago, and we were talking about what it's like to be speaking at big occasions, or relatively big occasions, and how nervous one can be, particularly if someone else is speaking and you ought to follow that person and you're very nervous and, and hesitant and afraid that somehow or another you will disappoint God's people and, and the Lord himself and you're feeling the responsibility of standing for him and on his behalf speaking to people and you're nervous and you're, and you're fearful. What do you do? Well, my friend said, I believe that God my Father in eternity has decreed and settled the way I should live and what I should do this evening or today. And because I believe in the God who orders all my footsteps and prepares the way before me, I will trust him and I will proclaim his word. His mind is controlling his feelings. You're in hospital, you're receiving a diagnosis of a particular illness that you may have got. What do you do? You're facing surgery. What do you do? Well, I'm in God's hands. The Lord Jehovah reigns, we sang. And will this mighty king of glory condescend and will he write his name, my father and my friend? Yes, I love his name. I love his word. Join all my powers to praise the Lord. Faith is keeping unbelief quiet like the dog that nips away at your heels. Faith is rising up above our emotions and our fears and trusting God. A sovereign protector I have, unseen yet forever at hand. What comfort that gives us. There's a wonderful little phrase in this psalm that you will be familiar with if you know Romans chapter 8. God is for me. You remember how Paul is arguing there that all things work together for good to those who love God. And he talks about God's eternal purposes for knowing, predestinating, justifying, glorifying. And then he goes on to say, well, now in all these things, all these troubles, all these trials, all these vicissitudes, God is for us. But how do we know that God is for us? Well, he who did not spare his only son but gave him up for us all, how will he not with him freely give us all things? If he did that, he will do this. If he did the big thing, he gave us his own son, then he'll care for us, love us, bring us through, give us peace, and give us joy. God is for us. Faith, therefore, has to be exercised. 
And it has to be fed, and the way it's fed is through the Word of God, which is why David here three times says the same thing. In God I will praise his word. He says that again in verse 10. In God I will praise his word. In the Lord I will praise his word. The word. This is where the mind of God has been expressed. The word of God. Faith rests on the word of God. The living word, Christ, the written word, the scriptures, and the proclaimed word in which the living word and the written word come to us as the voice of God today by the Holy Spirit's power and energy. So against all our fears, we are to put God's word. Think of temptations. Temptations come into your mind or into your consciousness. Suddenly, perhaps. What do you do? They're real, they're vicious. What did our Lord do? Well, he went back to the word of God. It is written. We need to go straight away to God and his word. This is the way to deal with temptations. What about this fear we may have of being hypocrites? Or falling away, falling away from grace, falling out of grace. Did I really repent? Did I really believe? What does the Bible say about that? Do you find in the Bible that hypocrites are afraid of being hypocrites? The castaways are being afraid of being a castaway? On the contrary, they're confident, bold, blase, full of themselves. But you're not. You're troubled. You're afraid. So... The fear of being a hypocrite isn't consistent with the way hypocrites believe and the way that hypocrites practice. You come back to the word of God. You give no place to Satan and his insinuations and his arrows, his darts, his terrible suggestions. The evil thoughts that we sometimes may have, blasphemous thoughts, what do we do with those when they seem to take away our joy? What did his minister say to Staffordshire Bill down there in Sandfields all those years ago when the day before he was due to be brought into church membership there in Sandfields he remembered a time when he'd blasphemed the name of God and all his joy disappeared. What did his minister say to him? The wiles of the devil. Deal with him. He's at you. He wants to destroy your joy and your faith. The scriptures tell us what to do. And they tell us that there are fiery darts that come to us from the evil one. So we are to quench them with the shield of faith. When Satan tempts me to despair and tells me of the guilt within, upward I look and see him there who made an end of all my sin. We go back to the scriptures, back to the word of God, back to our Lord Jesus Christ. Christ died. He rose again. He justifies the ungodly who believe in him. He gives the Holy Spirit to people who are dead in trespasses and sins. He keeps us from falling. 
He has dealt with all our iniquities, all our sins. There is a fountain open for sin and uncleanness. So, let's remember that. Let's remember that the Apostle Paul spoke of his previous life as a blasphemous life. I was before a blasphemer, but the Lord had mercy on me. So, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. The Word of God. You're afraid of a diagnosis. You're afraid of what it might entail. You're oppressed by it, cast down by it, nervous, anxious. What do you do? Well, what does the Word of God say? Well, the Word of God says, He gives more grace. More grace. Saving grace, yes. Keeping grace, yes. Grace for sickness and illness, yes. Grace for dying, yes. He gives more grace. Never will I leave you or forsake you. He is the God of all grace. So whatever the situation may be, real as it is, and real though our fears are, I have the promises of God and the supply of his grace. So I ask myself questions. I'm facing a diagnosis. I don't know what the outcome is going to be. Is it that I'm going to be taken home? Is it terminal? Well, that will be sad for my family, but it will be the best for me to be out of this poor mortal body, to be present with my Savior, to be around the throne with God's people, singing his praises, resting in his love, rejoicing in him, knowing that the journey has ended and I'm home at last. Yes, I put the reality of God's keeping and preserving and dying grace before me. It may not be that. It may be that I have to have radical surgery, which will mean weakness and difficulty and a long recuperation. Well, he has promised grace for that, if that is what is going to happen to me. Maybe it's a painful course of treatment that may be toxic, that may be itself a burden and a hard thing to take. Well, the Lord knows. The Lord will be with me. The Lord has promised grace. He's sovereign. He will be in control of the surgeon if it's surgery I need. He will be in control of my treatment if it's treatment I need. He will give me the grace to bear it, as he's promised. So my emotions are now being brought under the control of my mind that is full of the truth of God's holy word and his gracious spirit. Maybe it's not any of those things. Maybe it's something much less serious on the human level. Well, all is in his hands. My times are in your hands, O God. I wish them there. Everything is in your hands. So I have to keep my fears down. I have to keep my unbelief quiet. I have to deal with my anxious thoughts. Faith overcomes the world and faith overcomes fear as well. Faith, wrote Charles Wesley, mighty faith, the promise sees and looks to that alone, laughs at impos 
possibilities and cries, it shall be done. How wonderful God's word is. Feeding our faith, encouraging, nourishing our souls. We need it. We need to go to it every day. We need it to speak to us. We need to hang on to its promises. We need to believe God who is good and who is gracious. And then the psalm ends on a note of praise. Vows made to you are binding upon me, O God. I will render praises to you. For you have delivered my soul from death. Have you not kept my feet from falling that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Lord, you're good, you're gracious, you're kind. I'm with you, you're with me. Everything is right, Lord. Everything is well. So whatever comes my way, whenever I'm afraid, I will trust in you. And we do that at the cross. We do that where God's love has been poured out lavishly upon a lost world. Grace found fully in Christ, flowing freely from Christ, like a river running through the centuries. That river opened up at the cross, that river of grace and mercy that flows into our lives, into our hearts, into our midst, so that we may enter into the joy of the Lord, which is our strength. May the Lord help us then, whenever we are afraid, to trust in him and to be confident as David was. I have put my trust in God. I will not fear what can flesh do to me.